Hello, and welcome to Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer, not just for Louisiana, but for the entire Northern Gulf Coast. And now, introducing your host, Alan DeRitter. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the September 9th edition of Monday Night Football. We always start off our show with a prayer. So in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Dear God, really thank you that um, we've had Dave Ruckning with us for the last 30 years coaching in the Louisiana area. We pray for his blessed retirement. We pray that all the lessons that he taught us will be able to be uh, carried on by the people who he benefited and by all of us around here in the soccer community that we can continue to reach out to all walks of society and not just the select few. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, everybody, this episode is about Dave Rushening and um, and his just miraculous, uh, um, or I think it's miraculous, uh, but just magnificent career of making sure that kids who wouldn't normally play soccer got to play soccer. When I left Brother Martin and uh, and started our own soccer club on the West Bank, uh, I modeled our club after what he was doing in Raceland, and and I have him to thank for being successful for all these years because I saw that it can be done. Many people saw that it can be done. Okay, he was incredible in in making sure that no matter what kid came to him. He was going to find a way to get that kid not just on a Louisiana soccer field, but even to go and and win multiple three v three tournaments in Florida. Uh, it, of course, we all uh, affect countless numbers of people that we'll never know until the next life. But uh, I, I can tell you personally, I, I've seen thousands of people affected by this man directly, and uh, who knows how many thousands they're going to affect as they go on. I think the key now is uh, now that he's decided to retire, uh, y'all getting old happens, and it takes a lot of energy to run a soccer club, uh, especially by yourself, like the way he did, uh, financially as well as uh, physically, and you can just go so far for so long, uh, especially without help. And one thing that he and I have in common is we have reached out to the marginalized, and we've hardly got anybody to reach back. He's got an award, an award or two, some grants or two, uh, got a chance to accumulate some land and some soccer goals, but no real cooperation and no real incentive in order to have um, the poor marginalized developed. Okay, and uh, those kids, if it were not for him, would have played, and a lot of them still did play football, basketball, and baseball. Because if you got to choose between three dollars to go play for your park, uh, American football, or three thousand dollars to go play for your club to, to play uh, youth soccer, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Especially if you if your parents don't have the money to be able to throw three thousand uh, dollars at at professional coaching. So. 
Uh, it works for the NFL. The kids don't get professionally coached, and then they get coached later on in the school systems. But soccer can't be that way. It cannot be that way. Soccer and American football are not similar. The youth need to be developed when they're young and need to be shown the best uh, technique and the best uh, coaching when they are very, very young. And you can't just uh, go on out and pick up the game in eighth grade and be excellent at it. You can be good at it, but excellent at it, there's no way. And he understood that. I understand that. I think U.S. soccer understands that. How can anybody not understand that in the soccer world? But why are we content with just developing our richest players? And uh, and it's it's that way now. I, I know I keep ranting and raving about it, but I know that when the U.S. men's national team is playing the Spain uh, Spanish side, they have their best soccer players on the field, which are also their best athletes, and we have our best developed athletes on the field. Okay, and I'm not saying that the rich can't play soccer and don't deserve to play soccer. Don't get me wrong. There, all you people who are wealthy, you got a great gift from God with that money. And uh, you're you're exceptionally blessed. Uh, we're all rich in America, as far as I'm concerned, by the way. But that's another subject for another day. Uh, I just think, though, that the kids who are vacillating towards baseball and football, and and of course, this is a male-oriented conversation because when it comes to female uh, sports, where are the leaders still in the world? Although that's tide starting to change with with professional clubs in Europe starting to uh, embellish women's soccer, and then they're going to train the women the same way they tra- train the men. And uh, and soon, our, I believe our lady soccer program is going to be in great jeopardy because uh, they're going to have their best athletes on the field, and we're going to have our best um, um uh, athletes that can afford to pay $3,000 a semester to be developed. And uh, right now, enjoy it. Enjoy the three World Cups. Enjoy the three stars, all you ladies out here. And we're at the top of the world still. But uh, watch and see if what I say isn't going to come true unless we can develop a solution like Dave's uh, to get the marginalized on the soccer fields and to make sure that really uh, a lot of the middle class is kept up because they can't afford to travel to Tennessee and to California and to New York. It's just way too expensive. And you can develop kids without having to travel that far. That's the movement I think now, if you've been listening to our show for the last few weeks, uh, that we're starting to see in the New Orleans area. And uh, uh, But in the New Orleans area, we're going to be losing one of the big hallmarks for that, uh, Riverside Soccer. So um, if you have memories and, and you have uh, really fond uh, attitudes towards uh, Dave Rockney, please put them on the comments, especially on the uh, Facebook page that we have and also on Twitter at MNFUTBOL because uh, I couldn't get them on the show. And the reason why I couldn't get him on the show is he's humble. That's a Christian attitude. You don't toot your own horn. He wasn't out there to toot his own horn. Although coaches have a lot of egos. I'm one of them, you know. Uh, But he, I mean, he competed to win. Don't get me wrong. Man, did he compete to win. But he wasn't competing to hurt you, and he was competing to to develop the game as best as he could in the little little area that he had. So... Uh, I would love to hear all of your stories. I know at Soccer Innovations, we had to once umbrella him because he couldn't get the support that he needed to stay to stay intact, uh, keep his club competitive because of all the rules and regulations that we have, and and and, and good regulations, I would say, uh, to keep things a little bit under control, which is now becoming. Uh, 
a mess out there uh, with all these startup clubs uh, um, breaking out again in the New Orleans area. That's another show for another day again, too. But uh, Dave is going to be missed, and I hope that somebody, and I guess that somebody can be me with Soccer Innovations, will not allow this club to die. Although the season's already started and we just found out about it, I don't know if there's any way we can keep his teams intact. Chicago Fire has done a good job of helping him and reaching out to him and umbrelling him as well, and that's an example of the people who have reaching out to the people who have not. And so... Uh, uh, and it hasn't been just a struggle he's been alone with, but it has been a struggle that we haven't found the total solution of. And I, I think it would be a great tragedy if we see this, uh, these group of players just fade away and have to vacillate to the clubs that are around them. Um, there are financial aid um, initiatives with every soccer club, but it's kind of hard to give 120 people uh, financial aid. It really, really is. Um, at least the financial aid that uh, to play in tournaments where three thousand uh, dollar a year tuitions can pay. Okay, I just entered my kids into four tournaments, my U eighteen girls from Soccer Innovations, and you know that that was uh, the cheapest tournament was four hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, the, the average price is six hundred and. You have to have uniforms, you have to pay for referees, you have to pay for insurance, you have to register with LSA. It's just uh, it's just a very costly endeavor. And uh, I, was, I was told on a business meeting one day when I first started out with LSA uh, that this is a business. And I disagreed with them, uh, but I was respectful towards them. And, and it's panned out that uh, the people who don't uh, have a business model with soccer clubs um, they are not going to last. And uh, please, let's make sure that doesn't happen on Laplace. And uh, and so I want to dedicate the show to Dave. Dave, if you are listening, thank you for all the all you've done. You've worked for a salary in heaven. I know that. And uh, and uh, it's just amazing how many people you've affected. And it humbled me to, to know that uh, there's no excuse for us not as coaches and people in the soccer community not affecting the amount of people that you were able to affect. So everybody, uh, uh, I, wish, I wish Dave the best. And... Uh, on this show, we have a tribute to him from the former director of coaching in Louisiana, Mark Godwin, uh, who was uh, presiding and tried everything he could to keep uh, Dave up and running. And uh, uh, I'll put it to you this way. LSA is in a different ballpark than the clubs are when it comes to their financial resources uh, and when it comes to what they can do. Mark's going to talk to us in the next segment about a lot more opportunities he has to help people like Dave in Florida where he's at right now because of their their triple, quadruple size uh, attendance of, of their uh, registrations that they have in their soccer association. So um, it's something for us to think about, but at the same token, our numbers are not Florida's numbers. And so it's really kind of hard without pri private uh, donations or sponsorships to keep these clubs that are focused on the marginalized going. Okay. Uh, I've been pleading with people since 2004 to help me with mine. And uh it's been too little, and I'm hoping it's not going to be too late, but I'm starting to get old myself, and uh, it's it's hard work, y'all. Anyway, uh, we're going to stop for a second and uh, pay our bills. We have a great sponsorship this week from the LaFouche Soccer uh, Association, and we appreciate them uh, sponsoring us. And uh, uh, and then when we come back, we're going to talk to Mark Godwin, uh, the 
uh, he's got so many titles, he's got so many roles, but he's basically uh, in charge of bringing soccer to all the crossroads of Florida, um, kind of what he did here in Louisiana. We'll see you after the break. Hello, this is Coach Alan DeRitter, and one of the benefits of living in South Louisiana are the many fall festivals you can go to. One problem, however, for us soccer people is that we're out on the fields and are pretty tired after games, and usually we head home instead of going out and enjoying them. Well, one solution I've found for this problem throughout the years is attending the Lafouche Soccer Association Sugarfest. You get all of the great food and festivities along with over 90 teams participating in great soccer. This year's Sugarfest is October 11th to 13th at the Raceland Soccer Complex. The cost is some of the most reasonable rates for any tournament held anywhere. Apply at SigSports.com or just type Sugarfest on any search engine to apply. You gotta hurry for the deadline to get in. It's October 2nd. So come on out and join me at this year's Lafouche Soccer Sugarfest, October 11th through 13th in Les Elebantons Roulet. Hello, everybody. We're with uh, Coach Mark Godwin. And, uh, Coach, we all miss you over here in Louisiana. How you doing? Doing great, Alan. I miss you guys, too, as well. Well, how'd you do with the hurricane? Well, in actual fact, the impact for, for the area that I live in was, was minimal. I mean, we got some high winds, a little bit of rain, but we, we got lucky and dodged a bullet. Praise God. I'm, I'm so glad because it looked like it was going to go right down your throats, you know, for a while. No doubt. It, it, it did look quite severe at one point, and then it took a, a happy uh, right turn. And, and, and as I say, we, we got very lucky, very lucky. I'm so happy for you. Look, um, before we start talking about Dave, everybody around here wants to know what you're up to. What, what you doing now? Well, I'm still immersed in the game of soccer. Um, got a new title. I oversee all the grassroots programming here in uh, at Florida Youth Soccer Association, covering a a state that's a, a little bit bigger in area than Louisiana. Uh, <laughs> I think I think the biggest challenge I have is, is getting around everywhere because it's uh, you know with the size it, it's it's also an awkward uh, design state to, to drive around. It takes some time to get to everybody, but you know I, I, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Last year I actually personally taught uh, 38 of the new grassroots in-person courses, and uh, we we did a total of 48 last year, which is well, I think in the top two state associations of the country for, for coaching education, we did about seven or eight D-licensed courses. And this year, we're, we're on track to beat those records from last year. So wow. you know, we, we're looking to do about 12 D-licensed courses and close to 50 grassroots in-person courses. So, um, you know, it, it keeps me busy. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I spend a lot of time with the recreational base. Um, and... Uh, just written a book for Florida Youth Soccer Association uh, to help with uh, those volunteer recreational coaches on how to, to, to keep players active and, and engaged during a training session. So uh, that was presented at our AGM a few weeks back and was well received. How far advanced are they compared to us, do you think, in Louisiana? Uh, or are they? Alan, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a numbers game. We're, we're about... If you look at the sheer numbers that we have playing, um, there's about 110,000 youth soccer players. Um, 
that are part of Florida Youth Soccer Association. Yes. We know there's probably double that playing soccer in our state as well, uh, whether it's the, the Hispanic leagues that go on and so forth. I mean, it, it, it's huge here. And, of course, with numbers, obviously the level of play is going to be very, very high because that's where the competition comes from. Um, the good thing is, in order to get competition, it's only just down the road. If you want a higher level of play, you don't have to travel too far to, to, to get to it. Um, and that's a huge benefit. It, it, it enables to keep certain uh, 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 the costs down. Um, and we could do a lot of stuff in-house. I mean, just looking at ODP here, we do a lot of stuff in-house because we have numbers to be able to do it. Uh, and that keeps the cost down to the parents, which I think is a huge thing now that we're looking to, to, to try and build. Because if we're not careful, we could end up pricing ourselves out again. I know, I know. So uh, you, you know what the price is in Louisiana. How much less expensive is it or more expensive to play club ball with ODP in Florida? Uh, in fact, ODP is very relative, you know, because, again, going to region camp and things like that, it was the same fee anyway. So, okay. you know, we, we, we have um, a, a slightly different structure, as you can imagine, because of the numbers. We have to do things slightly differently. And then we've also got so many changes coming in within the, the Olympic Development Program this coming year that, that we've had to carefully look at how we're going to do things. Um, you know, the, the, the structure of region camps changing, uh, the, they're bringing back the regional ODP championships, uh, and, and we're in Florida, we're actually going to be hosting part of that. So, um, you know, it's, it really is, we don't know what the, the, the big picture is going to look like yet. We've got we to gotta go through this process once, and then we have a better handle of, of how we're going to build for the future. But, but right now, it's, you know, it's exciting times. We don't know which direction it's going to take us, but we're ready to move with it whenever it comes into play. It's refreshing, though, really, from a Louisiana perspective to hear that you're working very hard. You know, we kind of think that everybody's got it made everywhere else, but uh, but soccer's still a growing sport, and we got to do our best. You think you're working harder now or working harder when you were in Louisiana? Um, I think I'm probably working harder now just from the sheer travel. Yes. And, and trying to get to all the, the clubs. You know, we, we had 50-plus clubs in Louisiana when I was there. there. There's close to 300 clubs here. Wow. Plus, you know, <laughs> when we include the ones that are outside of the FYSA environment, I mean, it, 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 it could be upwards of five 600 clubs. And, you know, we, we've just actually gone out there and, uh, and at our AGM, it was voted and approved that we can now, from the state side of things, outside of FYSA. Um, I can go and deliver courses for the YMCA's, the the, um, the Parks and Rec Department. Because again, I think what, that's part of our member benefit. But again, it, it's also something that I can utilize to bring more members in the Florida Youth Soccer Association once they see what we're, we're capable of and what we can offer them. So uh, I, I think it's a huge plus going forward. Uh, you know, we talk about recreational soccer. We, we have a give back program where Pretty much we call it the FYSA bucks the part of the registration fees that the clubs pay per player we actually give back to the clubs and utilize our bargaining power um, for clubs to go out there and purchase equipment through the FYSA bucks program uh, and, and it just helps subsidize when you when you have those 110,000 players you can usually get the lowest of the lowest prices on equipment uh, and, and that's what we do we, we, we serve our membership we serve them well and it 
it really was one of the uh, the, the main programs that attracted me to Florida Youth Soccer. That the, the emphasis they put on coaching education, and of course the the, the SSA, which is specific geared towards grassroots and recreational programs. So, you know, I, I'm enjoying it. It is tough. I'm I'm, I'm working hard, um, but you don't realise how hard you're working because you enjoy it so much. <laughs> I, I get that. I get that. Uh, I am curious, though. Y'all have a lot more um, uh, men's soccer programs in, in, collegiately in Florida than we have here. Are they cooperating with y'all, or are they just uh, operate independently and recruit wherever they can? Yeah, they, they, they do. In fact, a lot of the, the college coaches work with us within our instructional staff as well. Um, you know, it, big difference between Louisiana and here. I, I now have over 30 qualified instructional staff that go out there and teach courses. I mean, the reason why I did so many last year is U.S. Soccer changed their, their programming uh, where they used to allow, if you had an A or a B license, uh, you could go out there and teach their coaching courses. Now, that's changed now. You have to have their grassroots instructor license to be able to teach the D license and the in-person courses. And, and of course, we, we were in a situation where um, we, we offered as many courses as we could, but it was Mike Strickler and myself and uh, a couple of others, Mike Parsons, who you may have heard of, who's the former, yes. uh, South Texas uh, technical director. We were delivering all the courses and it was kind of overwhelming, enjoyable, but overwhelming. Um, but we, we were doing all those well. You know, we, we've slowly put a lot of our, our instructional staff and, and several college coaches through that grassroots instructor course. In fact, two weeks ago, we hosted one of the grassroots instructor licenses here in Orlando, and um, we had 17 of our, our instructional staff on that course. Uh, and, and the first four days was, was huge for us. Um, the, the, the instructors that we have grew from that experience, and they come back uh, for another four days in October to complete the process after going through a very ever, heavily um, emphasized development period where they got a lot of coursework to get through. So we're in the middle of that process now, um, but it, it's got to be good for the future because, you know, our goal is to eventually double the number of uh, instructors that we have because we want to double the number of courses we have. We put such a, a huge emphasis on coaching education. Uh, and again, if you have better coaches out there, it equals better environments, which is going to equal better athletes. Well, I, I initially uh, wanted to get you on the on the line uh, to talk about Dave Ruffning, and uh, you are you are kind of instrumental in keeping him going. Uh, what are your thoughts on him retiring? To me, it's a sad, sad day that he has to retire. And again, I, I think we need to use that term loosely because you and I both know Dave very well. I can't see him getting completely out of the game. <laughs> he may not be heavily involved in the coaching side, but. I guarantee you I'll probably see him again on the soccer field somewhere along the line because that's Dave. I mean, you're talking about someone who's immersed themselves in the sport. Dave was that guy and, and, and he did everything for nothing. You know, he, he was right. one of those guys who, who, who worked on the inner city programs, worked on the uh, on the underserved side of things and, and just gave his heart to it. And, and the, the passion that he shows shows up in so many people, so many players now that have become coaches. I mean, it, 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 his, his influence is, is so far beyond what, what anybody could imagine. And, and, and he was a good guy. You know, that, that was one thing about Dave. I mean, 
if I remember correctly, and you may correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think he actually got rid of his old car to buy that 15 passenger bus that he used to transport all his players around it. Yes. Um, you know, he did so much for, for so many. And yeah, I, I can't talk highly enough of him. But, you know, I, I think uh, several years back, he, he actually won uh, the Recreational Coach of the Year Award uh, for, for Louisiana and then went on to become the regional winner. Uh, I think he should have been the national winner just because of what he does. Um, but uh, he didn't quite get that, that, that title, but uh, he, he deserved it. And uh, in my eyes, you, you won't find a better person, a better coach, and, and, and someone who loves the game as much as he does. I'll tell you what, um, he didn't want to come on the show because of his humility, you know? Uh, he just wanted to uh, fade away like Douglas MacArthur, but I told him I wasn't going to let him do that because I, I patterned my club largely off of what he was doing. And and uh, what do you think in Louisiana we need to do to help get more Daves out there and uh, the grassroots? Again, it's hard. I think these days it's becoming hard to find people like Dave, but there there are several that are still out there. And, and when you find them, you got to grab hold of them and keep them involved. Yeah. Um, you know, Dave is is definitely a, a model coach in my eyes. He, he did coaching courses. He came in and uh, and, and I remember him coming through that, that education. He always showed up at, at my sessions at the AGM. Uh, and continued dialogue would go on from that. I mean, he just wanted to know more. And, and no, he's another one of those guys who wouldn't take no for an answer. You know, he had to right. never give up mentality. And, <laughs> and he did whatever was best for the players. And that's one thing that we, we all should be thinking about is, you know, what, what's in the best interest of the players? What, <clears throat> excuse me, what, what can I do to continue this? This, uh, this process and, and, and make sure it happens. And as I say, there are more like him out there. We've just got to find them. And, and when we do, we've, we've got to keep them involved. Um, you know, I, I've got several people here that I work with in Florida, both on, on the top soccer side of things and within the recreational side. And, and, and they're just great people to work with because they, they, they you give them a task, they excel in that task. They want to know more. They, they, they will reach out and find people to help them. Uh, and again, it, it's that domino effect sometimes when you find them, knock over that one domino, there's a load more that's going to come along the way. And, and, and we, we just need to continue that sort of growth and hopefully find that diamond in the rough. Well, he, he stated to me, I don't know if this is personal information, but I, I'm going to take a chance here, that he was just getting very fatigued with, with the municipality part of it all, you know, uh, that he wasn't getting any cooperation from city government. Um, uh, as, and it seems to me that uh, it was just too too burdensome for him uh, to just continue going. Um, he's getting rid of all of his equipment, and I just see that community not being served again. And and uh, I don't know if U.S. Soccer, if we can do anything to help him, because really we can't go out there and buy land or what whatnot. Uh, I, I just I just 
I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that you're right that he's not going to just disappear from the game. But right now, he just feels that, uh, and I'm I'm fighting the same fight with him. I reach out for help, and I, I got a uh, a very unused uh, park out of it. Like he got some land out of it, but uh, when he came to support, it's just it's just not out there. And uh, do, do you find that in Florida that uh, people like him are supported or just ignored because we're competition to the more weightier clubs? I, I would agree to a certain extent. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at our game, that there is financial commitments to it, uh, and we have to reach out and find organisations that will help support us in our quest. But the, I think everybody knows we're, we're still in that time of uh, economic unsurety. Um, you know, we, a lot of businesses, yeah, they're still running, but not the same way they once were. Uh, we're still in that recovery stage as such. Uh, I think when things get better, then, then obviously the, the, the funds will come our way. Um, but the bottom line is right now, it, it is a tough time. We're, we're very fortunate uh, here in Florida. We have a, a, a great um, supermarket chain in Publix that, that supports so much of what we do. They're, they're very youth soccer pro and spend a, or invest a lot of time and money in the youth soccer programs, not just in our state, but some of our neighboring states, such as Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama as well, because that's their, their, their main area that they, they sort of have most of their uh, their their actual supermarkets located in. Um, but they are very supportive of what we do. And, you know, because of that, we find it a little bit easier. I don't know where we have that, you know, we still have in Louisiana our main sponsor, which is the Allstate Sugar Bowl, but my understanding is that may still be more of the competitive side of things than anything else. Uh, you know, you just got to find that, that right person, that right organization that's going to help us in our growth going forward. And, and, and if that's the case, we do find those people, then it makes people like Dave's lives a lot easier. Well, I tell you what, I, I uh, love your hometown, and uh, and I love the way the structure in Portsmouth and in England is, where the the professional teams are are reaching out at the youth level. Do you think we're ever going to get to there uh, in in America? I think we're we're, we're on a journey, uh, and that's where I, the way I look at it. And, and it's not just a journey. I always relate things, and I, I use this terminology quite a lot in this saying: is we're on a roller coaster, you know. And, and, and it goes over quite well here in Florida because we have a lot of them. Um, you know, uh, I live 15 minutes from Disney. So wow. relate to that and Universal. Um, so when I talk about it being like a roller coaster, it's got to have its highs and lows. And the thing about a roller coaster is, you know, some points it's going to be scary uh, and some points it's going to be enjoyable. But when you get to the end of that ride that may only last a minute, two minutes, most people want to get back on again and 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 that's the journey that we're on we've got to stay on that roller coaster and, and we've got to battle through the lows and, and enjoy the highs um but you know if, if we keep persevering good things will come our way i know u.s soccer uh, and i'll talk about this quickly is u.s soccer investing a lot of time money and effort in the grassroots side of things um you know the, one of the great things about it is our, our instructors, we're not having to subsidize right now them going through the instructor license. 
so that they truly believe in, in getting better coaches, better instructional staff out there and being consistent in our approach and, and helping the development of, of, of the mass of coaches. Because if we get coaches buying into the new process, which the, the methodology is called play, practice, play, and coaches go out there and apply it, apply it to their teams, that hits so many more when we're talking about the players. So 100 coaches could impact, you know, 1,000, 10,000 players. And then it goes much further than that. So impacting the coaches, and they've invested a lot of time and uh, money in this, as I said, is going to go so much further. The next process is, are they going to invest more money in the future of the youth game? And I think that will come. It's, it's, it's almost the same model that the FA had about a decade ago when they started to go and emphasize grassroots over there. And they invested after that, after the coaching education side, they invested a lot of funds in youth development. And, and, and I think it's going to become available shortly. Um, we had an impact on that. You know, obviously our, our men's national team didn't qualify for the last World Cup. Um, and it had a huge financial hit on, on US soccer. Um, no doubts about it. But at the same time, our women has itself. They, they, they've gone and won back-to-back uh, World Cups, which is phenomenal. And, and I'm actually looking now because... When I look back through the history of, of Florida Youth Soccer Association member numbers, we peak every year there's a World Cup. And if we're successful in the World Cup, the peak's a lot higher. So I'm hoping that we're going to have more interest in the women's game here, more interest in the, in the girls' game of soccer here in Florida and, and across the country, because it, the impact it should be huge. I mean, there, there aren't too many countries that can say we won back-to-back World Cups and, and, and done it with almost a different group of players as well. You know, there was several new players in here, several new players that came from the youth day. So the future is bright, I think. Yeah, I think uh, uh, at the same token, no, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but now that I see that clubs like Bayern Munich and uh, uh, and Chelsea uh, are reaching out and starting their own women's teams, uh, I, I'm thinking that the youth, the, the the women who are at the youth level uh, feeding those clubs, they're going to start skyrocketing in their development, and it's going to be harder and harder for the U.S. to win a World Cup. Uh, do you agree or, or no? Oh, no doubt about it. The gap's been closed. I, I, I think the women's game, you know, we, we were the dominant force for so long. And then, all, uh, you know, uh, several years back, we had the Germany, the Brazils came out of nowhere and, and put some impact. China again and Japan. I think those five or six club or countries now have become 10 or 12 that are competitive. I mean, look, look at the game that we, we played against uh, Spain. Spain have come out of nowhere because of the investment that country's made in the women's game. So no doubt about it, the, the, the gap's been closed, but it's made it more interesting for the women's game. Yes. And again, I, I, I always say this, I think competition is healthy. You know, don't keep looking over your shoulder and seeing what the other clubs are doing. Focus on your own programming to make sure it's the best it can be. But it's that competition that drives us. You know, we all have coaching egos. Everybody has an ego. Um, and, and of course, when, when someone comes and challenges us, we've got to think outside the box and, and we've got to make sure we're, we do what we can to be best for our own programming. And, and I think that's what's going to drive us going forward. You know, it happens at the club level, it happens with the youth game. I think it's going to happen, it always happens with the international game. You know, I hate to, to, to bring England into the mix, but that was the England men's team. You know, we, we struggled for years. 
It's uh, and in a country where the media really hit hard on our men's national team, but we've struggled for years, and yet the last what, five six years, our youth national teams have been phenomenal, and now that's starting to show up with with our our full men's national team. I mean, we we sent the youngest men's national team we ever had to the previous World Cup, and we got through to, to the semi-final with a young group of players. That's phenomenal for us. I think it's great. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it proves that, that Gareth Southgate, who's there right now, is prepared to, to, to not give up on some of the senior players, but look towards the youth for the future of the game. Because that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. And it takes time, it takes investment. And, and to a certain extent, at that level, you, you've got to battle the, the, the paparazzi. You know, it, it, it's, it's part of the game there. So, you know, I, I think the gap, as we were talking about with the women's game, is close, but the competition is high and, and, and it brings out the best in us. It should bring out the best. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, and I think the youth is the key. And I think one of the problems that uh, I, we, you have to be facing, as I am, is can we get the best athletes on the field? And I believe that Dave was one of those people that were able to do that, get these kids that would normally play baseball, basketball, or football, and get them in love with soccer before it, before they got totally drawn out of soccer, you know? And uh, that's one of the things I really appreciated about Dave, you know? Uh, that, that's Dave in a nutshell. You know, he gave something new to people, uh, and he gave it to people who, who normally couldn't afford to do it. And you know, I, I'll agree with you that I, I think some of the best athletes come from those areas of the of, of cities, of countries, and, and we've got to tap into that as our you know one of our main resources because we know the athletes are out there. Um, you know, I'm not going to say that good players don't come from other environments; they do, but you know, that occasionally you get those inner city kids who, who just are phenomenal, you know, and, and they're gifted in some way. And, you know, I think that God's given them a, a gift that we, we now need to give them the ability to shine from it. And they were certainly one of those people who could do that. Right. I mean, he's in an environment where these kids are being told you need three dollars to play youth football, <laughs> you know, and and uh, how, how are we going to get that kid to come play for us if we're going to charge three thousand? So uh, I'm yeah. I'm sad to see him go, but uh, I'm going to try to keep the work going on. And I appreciate you taking your time to honor him because I hate to see him just go and just disappear off the shelf uh, without being honored like this. Um, if if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, or better yet, buy buy your uh, manual that you just put out, how can we do so? Yeah, you can visit me. Uh, obviously, I'm on the FYSA website, which is fysa.com. Um, we're going through some changes there. Our web, website's about to be updated again. Uh, one of the things we're doing is is adding a, a, a recreational only page, uh, which will have several uh, breakdown menus from it that, that will take you to different areas to help coaches. Um, but uh, all my information's on there. You can call me at the uh, the FYSA office, which is 863-268-8220. And I'm currently on extension 304, but I've been told that may change in the near future as well because we're redesigning our office a little bit too. So, But uh, my email address is mgodwin at fysa.com. And I'd love to hear from everybody you know, back in Louisiana. I, I do stay in contact with a lot of my former staff coaches and, and other people that I got to know well. Um, you know, Ryan Lazaro and I still talk to each other on a regular basis. Kevin Sherry up at Louisiana Tech. 
and I know what he's going through right now, and you know he's rebuilding up there. Um, and then uh, Mike Aguilar is another one that I, I, I stay in contact with. Um, obviously, people back at, at, at Lafayette New Stocker, I hear from them on, on a regular basis as well. Uh, I spent that year when I left LSA and, and went there with them. Um, I, 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 in fact, uh, spoke with uh, Eddie from um, Sticer the other day. And, oh, wow. Uh, it, it, it was great to hear from him and, and get some feedback. So, you know, I, I, I stay in touch. I, I contacted Sean Esker as well a couple of times, and he wished me a happy birthday on my birthday this past year as well. Huh. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's good to – because that, to, to me that's important. You know, the, the bonds, yes. the relationships that we build in the game of soccer, it's it, it's another piece of what, what, what soccer's all about and, and build great relationships and friendships. Our role as technical directors or coaching directors, it's about building bridges, yeah. Hopefully we got the knowledge. We, we, we're, you know, we're able to apply uh, the, the technical aspect of things. But for me, the most important piece is building bridges and, and, and friendships because that's how we're going to succeed. You know, we, we can't afford to make enemy, enemies of anybody. Um, I, I, I think those days are gone. I think today, the modern day game and the way youth soccer instructors here, we've got to get clubs working together. Uh, and, and that was some of the things that we, we were starting to see with, with, with uh, the likes of the, the, the big four or five clubs, Mandeville, uh, Baton Rouge, uh, Lafayette and Shreveport. Um, that, those guys were, and, and Louisiana Fire, they were working together and, and, and coordinating little programming for their academies and so forth. And, and that's the thing that we've got to build upon because it, it is about relationships. I agree with you wholeheartedly. We miss you. And uh, uh, anyhow, I appreciate you taking the time out to come talk to us. And uh, don't be a stranger to Louisiana. And I dream of the day where we can actually work state working with state to help build uh, our talent base. So I know if, if that winds up happening, you're going to be on the forefront. We're still benefiting from all the changes you brought to Louisiana soccer. And I wanted you to be publicly recognized for that. I really appreciated everything you did for us here in Louisiana. Uh, 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 and I'll say this again, I'm still on that roller coaster ride and I don't want ever to get off. It's, <laughs> it's so much fun. Uh, uh, and I hope people see it that way because that's what it is. And, and you know, I love I love my time in Louisiana, whether it was when I spent my five years at the Crossroads in Alexandria and then 10, ten great years with LSA um, and then the, the last year with LYSA and then coaching back in high school again. I, I love high school soccer. Um, but, you know, that... It, it, it's things that, that are always going to be a part of me. And uh, I still have a house in Louisiana. I'm still trying to sell it. Okay. I've got a house there and a house here. So if anyone wants to buy a house in Road Ridge, contact me. <laughs> oh, Coach. Thanks. And, uh, and don't forget to keep enjoying your family, okay? Enjoy Florida. Uh, that's, that's what it's all about. All right. all right. Well, God bless you. Thanks again. Thanks, Alan. All right. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. All righty. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody. And that was, uh, of course, Coach Godwin. And so good to hear his voice. Uh, I wonder if the people in Florida know how lucky they are to have him. And uh, I know that I personally miss him. I used to work with him on ODP uh, when I first when – I, when I did the little bit of time that I did on ODP when Luis Sabion was the director of coaching in Louisiana. And uh, – and a lot of good changes have come and uh, and have stayed intact. And and uh, like you said, competition uh, breeds the best out of us. And I think in Louisiana, we still have to stay focused on 
trying to make sure that we're one of the elite uh, associations or become one of the elite associations because there's no doubt about it. As he was talking about with high school soccer, I think Louisiana high school teams uh, compared to with anyone's. Okay, I've brought my team uh, to Florida to play California teams, and we were always in the mix of it. And so from a high school level, there's no reason why from a club level we can't do the same thing. Okay, well, I wish all of you all the best. Uh, and uh, my prayers to Dave Rushning, and, uh, and I hope he's listening. If he's not listening, uh, I know it's because he's humble and doesn't want to hear about himself. But uh, I'm hoping that Dave, that uh, Dave was listening somewhat to Mark uh, and will come back, okay? But if not, we've been totally blessed to have him, and uh, he's part of the solution, not part of the problem. And Godspeed to, to all of his loved ones and family members and all of his new family, really, all those kids that he's mentored throughout the years. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Remember, we're going to be... Uh, uh, getting our high school preview edition finalized soon. And we'd love to hear from you as to whether or not uh, your team should be mentioned. Uh, get in touch with me on MNFUTBOL on Twitter or Facebook, or you can um, uh, call me at 504-577-3131. Leave me a message to get back in touch with you. There's just so many ways to get in touch. You can get in touch with me on uh, LA Prep Soccer. I'm A. DeRitter, A-D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R. But I, I really hope that uh, all of y'all give me your information, who you think are going to be the top players, top teams, top districts, so that when we start doing this, uh, I don't get emails or uh, voice messages saying, well, why didn't you talk about such and such or so and so? And and uh, I'd rather take care of that on the front end because uh, our ears on the ground, but you are the show and and uh, you know what's going on in the Faraday region, and uh, I don't, I don't. And so uh, I'm not gonna pretend that I'm an expert. Uh, and if you didn't notice with this last interview, this last interview is proof that we need a show like this because the written word can't do what, what we just did with, with uh, Coach Godwin, okay? Uh, uh, there's just something about the spoken word and giving people a chance to explain themselves and giving people a microphone to do so. Uh, we love being here for you, and we thank you for your support. We ask for those of you who haven't supported us in the past to, to think about supporting us so we can take this show to the next level. Well, God bless you and your family. Remember, carpe diem in Christ, and hopefully, God willing, we'll see you next week on Monday Night Football. This is uh, Coach Gerrida wishing you and your family the best. Take care.